Welcome everyone to the 31st episode of the New Gen Mindset Podcast. I'm Dan Kozell here with Nick Tartaglia. What's up, my man? What's up? It's uh, It still is some crazy things going on in this world, especially in the markets. And every week that we have this little um, kind of insight or query about what's going on it's like it, the more i feel uncomfortable with everything going on <laughs> it's a it's definitely a hard pill to swallow considering uh most people's uh portfolios have been doing really well uh yeah. I'm sure doing well mine's doing pretty well too but um uh we're reaching a very frothy point i find um, yep. and that's gotten to a that's gotten to a point where there's a lot of greed right now in the stock market there's a lot of greed mentality happening purely price uh, action exactly and it's causing asset bubbles to really form and i was actually talking yeah. to a few real estate people uh last week and they said montreal for whatever reason this has never been the best time to be a real estate broker but people are buying up houses and i'm just like yeah. well, wait a minute remember that graph that i showed you the rbc graph they did yeah. a price uh price index for all the major cities montreal was parabolic yeah. and i feel like that's where we're at in the stock market too right now um yeah. so People, there's, you know, there's, there's a thing that people forget is that liquidity, liquidity is not forever. People have a certain amount of excess cash flow or savings that usually goes towards certain asset classes. And eventually the market dries up. There's no more liquidity. And when there's no more liquidity, you get a free fall. So right now the market is heavily dependent on that stimulus liquidity yeah. on the government spending and all that stuff. And without that, the market has no more liquidity, has no more life, life force. So it's very, 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 it's a very, very like sensitive and tip like it, the, the, there's a tipping point soon. And it's just, it, it, the bubble just keeps getting stretched. It's at a certain point. It's like, boom. Yeah. And I think the other thing too, is you have to realize the S and P right now is sitting at a, the, the S and P is overvalued tremendously. It's almost double, double <laughs> what, what, what isn't the, in North America. Yeah, but double the historical eight-year yeah. value. So the S&P right now is trading at 32 times uh, next 12 months earnings. That's insanity. Um, you know, there's a it, question I ask. There's a question I ask. I say, like, if, if the government had not provided that stimulus liquidity, would we be here right now? Would not, in, the, in the financial markets, would prices be here? No, because you would have collapsing businesses. People were not making any money. And uh, honestly, you wouldn't have the Federal Reserve by doing QE, which literally goes in and buys fed, um, financial assets. And doing all this stuff literally helped prop up the, the financial assets and the equity markets. But it doesn't, it doesn't help the economy itself. So and that's where you're seeing the massive disconnect. Yeah. And this is the, the billion or trillion dollar question right now. You've got all this money that's being printed. I think we've talked, we, we sound like a broken record when we talk about this, but, <laughs> but this it's is so critical. But this is, this is where we're at, where we're at as a society. The amount of money that was being printed um, is going to pretty much destroy the purchasing power of consumers. And one thing that stood out to me this last month was in the US, there were about 70 million people who are unemployed. 70 million. Going up. And, and that's just going to continue to go up. There are lines now at food banks. Yeah. So what, like everything that the media has been talking about, in my view, and I think you can agree with this, um, there's a much deeper disconnect that most people yep. don't understand. Well, so CNBC, Bloomberg, you know, like the, the, yeah. the narrative is purely, oh yeah, the markets are okay. Oh, this investor says that he's buying stocks here, or this guy says he, he, you can go. It, it, they're funneling this bubble and they're not talking about the consequences or the uncertainty or the risks or the negative economic factors or the, the bubbles. Like these are not conversations that are being had in the traditional financial media sources like Bloomberg and CNBC. And it's an issue because it should be objective and not trying to support a narrative, which I kind of see with Bloomberg because of who Bloomberg is, but I'm not going to go into that. <laughs> but you know, so it's like, I feel like people need to look outside the box because there's so much other data outside the box that says an entirely different story. Yeah. And that is where we kind of see the value in what the purpose of this episode is. It's that you're, you, once you start seeing the uncertainty and the risk and the, the, insanity of what the government does and how it intervenes and manipulates the financial markets, that consequence 
is bound to occur. Like Ray Dalio says, you know, we're coming near the end of a hundred year debt cycle. We're on the 99th year. In, the, in 2008, the amount of money they printed over the last 10 years was 3.5 trillion as of 2008. This year alone, we print just as much money as we did over 10 year span. What happens in five years when we need another massive stimulus? They're going to what print another five or $10 trillion. So in 2025, we're going to be at what? 40 trillion. It, something is about to give way. And when it gives way, it's going to be disastrous. So, so here's the other question, right? You're, it was a perfect segue right now. It's like, okay, how do you protect yourself here? And the traditional <laughs> route, the traditional route, for the last, you know, 30, 40, whatever something years has been gold and silver. However, we also have a unique asset called Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, mm -hmm. which obviously have been generating more hype from people our age um, because they believe that this is the long-term means of transaction. You and I are both bullish on Bitcoin. I think we can agree on that. But I find gold and precious metals and silver right now just haven't been getting a lot of respect at all. No, uh, it's, the, it's an issue of the schooling system. It's an issue of the banking system and the traditional financial system of North America. It doesn't talk about the value of gold because think about it. The traditional financial system is funneling this massive consumerism market and it's the one, it's the middleman in the entire leveraged market. So if people were to deviate and say, well, you know what? I need to hedge the system. Well, that system and that deviation going to precious metals, gold and silver means that you want to deviate from the banking system, from the traditional financial system, which is a risk for them because they need people to spend to maintain this appearance of wealth, to maintain this debt load. And so I think that there's kind of, because of this narrative that the system kind of created has kind of like a black hole. It just sucked you in and it has to, that, that black hole just continuous. And you have to really try to pull yourself out of it to see an entire different framework. And so when we talk about gold and precious metals, it's not because it's the greatest thing on earth. It's because the value of it comes purely from the sense that governments abuse monetary systems, especially when it comes to a fiat. Because we went off the gold standard, the reserve became the U.S. dollar. But nowadays, our currencies don't have real value. The paper itself is not exchangeable for anything. Back in the day, a piece of paper was exchangeable for one gold, for a silver coin or a gold coin or whatever the case would be. It was exchangeable. It had real value that you can go and exchange it from. You can't do that anymore. So what happens if they devalue, if the world because China is, the, is in the head and starts taking over global dominance and the United States completely destroys its own dollar? And the U.S. dollar no longer is the uh, global standard. What happens then? There's going to be a huge deflation in assets. But in the uh, meantime, there'll probably not, be a significant. No, in yeah. the meantime, I think there'll be a significant inflation in assets because of the, the continuous injection of capital. But more of a later down, downward trend when people right. no longer have money, will prices come down. Right, but you're referring to when shit does hit the fan. Yes, exactly. What, 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 what is the hedging strategy? Is exactly. Bitcoin the hedging strategy? Um, two interesting things have happened this last two months or last six months, I should say, with Bitcoin primarily. Bitcoin's been really positively correlated with the market. When Bitcoin first came out, it was negatively correlated with the market. Yeah. 2018 so that, proved yeah, that too. Exactly. So my biggest concern right now in the next three to four years is if the market it, yeah. goes down, what happens to Bitcoin? And yeah. what happens it decouple? to- yeah. Does, what happens to gold as well? Gold and silver. Yeah. Gold just had its worst uh, month, actually. Yeah. And to me, I think that's an opportunity. But yeah, um, I know that uh, the, the the guests that we're, we're about to bring on, um, you had an interview with. Um, you guys talked about precious metals as a means of exchange, and yeah. I think this is what the super wealthy in the world really understand is they do need to store gold somewhere. They do need to own a piece of precious metals because at some point, especially going into next year, when banks start realizing that a lot of the loans that they give gave out for people to buy houses, when credit potentially dries up, I don't mean to be really ominous here. Where are people going to go to where, what, storage value people are going to go to. It's probably going to be precious metals, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's never seen this much inflow before. And there's a reason bit of why outflow it, this month though, this month was a bit well, of no, no, no. from ETFs, but I'm talking per, purely from like, there's, there's the, from there's the equity perspective and then there's the tangible perspective. Correct. So like from a tangible outlook, it's had a massive 
inflow of capital. This yes, year. equity. This yes, year, of yeah. course, equity perspective. Yes, there's a massive outflow. It's also because of the fact that the markets are heavily a trader's market. So if I'm a trading institution, well, I'm gonna, I'll wait because for me personally, and the way I see the macro outlook is that stimulus injection is a massive positive indicator for uh Precious uh, a pop in precious metals. Yeah. The more we stimulate and the more we print money and the more the government gets involved in artificially manipulating the financial ecosystem, the more it gives value to gold because it solidifies the thesis that the government is destroying the economy. And the more they do it, the more gold becomes valuable and, 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 and desirable. And that's why the wealthy always allocate capital to it. There's some wealth funds out there that have 50%, 60% allocation to precious metals because it's the purest way of being decentralized from the system in a sense that I'm going to use kind of like a Bitcoin reference, you know? So personally for me, I am long Bitcoin, but I'm also long that Bitcoin working is based off a leveraged uh, gold coin. So it has to be backed by something. And that for me is the best play I see for Bitcoin in terms of it becoming part of a monetary system that is functional because gold has 6,000 years of history and Bitcoin only has like less than 20 years, you know? So we don't know. It's like you said, there's a new behavioral pattern that we've noticed that is now correlated positively to the markets when it used to be negatively correlated. So it's something we have to observe because if going forward, let's say, let's say we see um, a replication of the Japanese market where the stock market peaked in 1989. Yeah. Well, what happens if we go 20 years where we can no longer re-hit a peak in the stock market? You know, so it's like there's, there's, there's issues with the monetary system, with the way the government intervenes, the way they manipulate interest rates, the way they think that they can just use the Federal Reserve to just ensure my, whatever they want to do. My buddy in Florida calls it the controlled burn. Because yep. that's, that's what this is. Um, I mean, we could, we, could, we could talk about this for hours, but um, give us a little brief intro of our next guest um, that you had on because I was uh, swamped that day. So I owe you a potential interview solo, Nick. But that's okay. But <laughs> yeah, who's, so, who's our next guest? Give us a little. So he's, uh, so he's, this guy is great. I, so when I got, when I jumped into the rabbit hole of precious metals because I started really focusing on terms of preservation and sustainability of my wealth and for my clientele and for people, especially to talk about, because it's important to think about my horizon really, really, really went long-term because a short-term environment is not indicative of value. So I started watching a lot of precious metals and investment stuff. And I landed on this page called the strategic wealth, um, uh, strategic SWP strategic wealth, Oh man, as Come on, man. It's the peak. It's the peak. Make me look terrible. Make it us look terrible, bro. Strategic wealth. <laughs> preservation. That's the word. Exactly. <laughs> preservation because it's in the name, right? So strategic, strategic <laughs> wealth preservation. And this guy's name is Mark. And honestly, he's a great guy. He makes YouTube series where he talks a lot about inside the vault and he talks with other people. So he, his focus really is to try to educate and enlighten people about the value of gold, precious metals, how to store it, how to invest in it, how to preserve it. And he deals with people that are very into macro investing and macro fundamentals, because when you look at macro fundamentals, which is a lot of economics, you, you, it, it helps put into perspective the value of precious metals. So they really are correlated in terms of discussion. So he's so this guy. He's at he's the from, forefront. Exactly. Like you know, he, he's a guy. Sales. He's from. A, he's a local Montreal guy who went to McGill University, and uh, he ended up finding himself in the Cayman Islands because he he started working for Kitco Metals. So honestly, a great so, guy, and so, I had a, I had a blast talking with this guy. Yeah. So for those of you that don't know what Kitco Metals is, they are probably yeah. one of the largest uh, yeah. per, uh, distributors, I should say, of gold, yeah, so they, silver, yeah, and precious so, metals. Yeah, they Toronto, Montreal. They do news too. Yeah, high high net worth investors. Exactly. So guys, without further ado, um, here's the interview. Who? What's his name, by the way? We didn't even talk Mark about- Yaxley. There you go. So here's the interview. great guy, honestly. Yeah, and he's right now. He's living. He's in BC right now, working from home, and uh, great guy, honestly. I I'm excited to have him back because he's working on these cool app projects for potentially for precious metals down yeah. the line. You know, so it's a he's a cool guy, honestly. Can't wait, guys. Enjoy the interview. It's with Nick and Mark, and enjoy. <laughs> Today, 
today, guys, on a New Gen Mindset for the episode, I'm here with Mark Yaxley, a former, I'm going to say former simply for the sake that you no longer live here, but a former Montrealer who went to McGill. Um, just to give a little background about him quick, quick, he's now currently the general manager for Strategic Wealth Preservation, which is a fully integrated precious metals dealer and vaulting facility located in the Cayman Islands. They specialize in the acquisition and secure storage of precious metals for individuals, companies, trusts, and wealth management professionals on behalf of their clients. Um, so just to give a context for you guys, um, I kind of dabbled, started dabbling myself in the precious metals market because of the way the bubbling and the disconnect that we're seeing in the equity markets, especially in North America. So I started winning, I jumped down the rabbit hole of precious metals. And this is when I found your channel on YouTube. And I started watching Mark on YouTube. And it's how I started personally learning about precious metals and how to start tangibly allocating capital towards that specific market. So to begin with, Mark, give us a little like context in terms of how you went from Montreal and found yourself in the Cayman Islands, spe <laughs> specifically in relation to also dealing with uh, an asset class that honestly, most people, especially young people, don't really seem to understand. Yeah, I mean, like most people growing up in Montreal, Nick, I didn't know the first thing about precious metals. You know, it, it wasn't something that came across my radar. My journey started in 2005. I was working for a company you're probably familiar with called American Apparel. Yeah. At the time in Montreal, they had a big wholesale distribution center. I was a wholesale rep for, for that brand. And it was Christmas time. And I got my Christmas bonus, which was a $100 gift certificate to the movie theater. And I, I went home and my girlfriend at the time who worked for a precious metals dealer by the name of Kitco Metals, which is located in Montreal, yeah. came home with her bonus and her bonus was $4,000 cash. Oh, wow. So I quickly realized I was in the wrong industry. You know, I wasn't going to make, you know, serious money selling uh, t-shirts and sweatpants. So I, uh, I applied for a job at Kitco Metals back in 2006. I was hired and I worked for that company uh, until 2013. I spent most of my time focused on product marketing, product development. I became the marketing manager for, for Kitco before I left in 2013. It was a great place to learn the business because Kitco is one of the largest precious metal dealers in the world. And they also have one of the biggest media presence in, yeah. in our space. So just a fantastic place for a young person to kind of pick up the industry, make contacts, learn how the, the whole gold world works. So in 2014, uh, I was doing some consulting and I was contacted by these two guys in the Cayman Islands. And they were clients of mine at Kitco when I was working there. And nobody wanted to deal with them because they, nobody knew where the Cayman Islands was. It was like a fictitious place that didn't really exist and, except for movies and books. So these guys invited me down. They said, come down for a week. We'll pay for your trip. We want to build a gold vault. You know, come check it out. And I was like, actually, it sounds crazy, but I was totally against the idea. I'm like, this is not where I want my career to go. So anyways, it was a free trip to the Caribbean. I took the trip. We had lunch. And by the end of that lunch, I was completely convinced I was going to move to the Cayman Islands, which I did oh, in 2015. We started the construction of a, a vault, a vaulting facility. So when we talk about our company, we have a physical brick and mortar vault. Uh, where we allocate gold, silver, platinum, palladium. We store it uh, really on behalf of our clients and we make a market for our clients down there. So that's what we do every day. And I've been doing that uh, for the last six years and we're just trying to perfect uh, our equation now at this point. So obviously within the name in itself, a premise part of the value added to your clients is helping them build a strategic uh, philosophy in terms of how to allocate their capital towards different types of metals and the principles of each metal and how to and how to weigh them depending on the markets are moving and so on, especially the, your time frame, obviously for your clientele, I'm sure is long-term. Nobody really does this for the short-term type of. Uh... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, okay. most people that are buying gold and silver for storage are doing it for the long-term. I think gold and silver, generally speaking, are long-term investments, a little bit uh -huh. like real estate. Yeah. If you want to get the most benefit out of owning precious metals, this is something that you're going to want to own in your portfolio, basically until you die, it sounds kind of morbid, but it's something that you're going to hold for a long time because it acts as wealth insurance. So you're basically, you have other assets in your portfolio that are earning you returns, dividends, interest. Gold doesn't do any of those things because gold has very little risk. So it doesn't need to pay you a dividend or interest in order to, to uh, warrant you sustain its value. Yeah, exactly. It's a store of value. It's a great hedge. It's wealth insurance. And my mentor taught me that phrase. Wealth insurance is a good one. So the way I see it, portfolio, yeah, go ahead. Kind of, you kind of hope you don't need it, but the moment that the market tells you that you need it, it's going to perform extremely well and offset your other losses. So. The way the way I've started to kind of look at it 
because I'm only 27. So the way I've started to look at it really was saying to myself, one, if I want to create a legacy and kind of string along my wealth throughout really timeline, obviously I have to ground it into something. And obviously mm-hmm. you do it into tangible reality. Tangible reality are your hard assets, you know, real estate, uh, commodities, those are hard assets. Mm-hmm. So I started kind of seeing the value in the sense of that, well, as an investor, especially someone who wants to focus heavily now on the fact is preservation and strategic allocation, because the, when you look at North America, obviously you don't really see this anywhere else, but when you look at North America, which is kind of like, I'm kind of jealous that you're in the Cayman Islands, the people's mindset must be a little different or at least within your clientele. So I'm in my own, I'm in a bubble here. So it, it's, it's hard to see. It, it, it's hard not to see the value in this when you, when you're taking a, a, a bird eye view macro perspective and you're looking at things and you're saying something just isn't adding up. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden you click, I get why va- gold and silver and all the precious metals within that asset class, why it makes sense now, because it's, you, you get to disconnect from the system. So you hedged yourself. There's a, there's mm-hmm. a fun I was listening to a fun on through Raul Paul's uh, YouTube and it was, I forget his name, but he, he manages massive wealth fund in Europe. It's called the Idlewise, I believe, holding company. And they hold three tons of tangible gold. And I was like, mm. wow, 60% of their allocation, just gold. And he goes, my philosophy is to sustain my wealth. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's the only philosophy I have. So, exactly. you know, so I get the value now more than ever before. So there, there's kind of two things when you, when you talk about wealth is, one, you have to earn it. You have yeah. to, you have to build it. And, and you, we're both in that same age. So it's like, I'm, I just turned 40. So I'm getting a little bit old now, but honestly, I thought you were from, way younger than that. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> from the, from the age that you are now, you know, yeah. starting around your age to the age that I am now is really appeared in your life. You're going to be accumulating wealth. You're going to be working long hours. You're going to improve your career. You're going to get pay increases, bonuses, all those things. You're going to start a company. You're going to earn money. And then, but then in the background and simultaneously, you, you also should be preserving a portion of that wealth all the time. Not all of that money should go into high risk, high reward investments. You also want to look at these lower risk investments that you're going to carry with you for the rest of your life. So that's only one aspect of gold, really. But uh, I think you've got to figure it out for a 27 year old. Look, you start now, you're going to be very thankful in uh, 13 uh, years, 23 years, 43 years that, that you started putting away money. If and gold you, and silver, if you sure. were to start, if you were to start talking to younger people and trying to start giving them really specific, like niche entry points into how to start allocating, because obviously when you're looking at younger people, it buying a kilo of gold is not as easy as buying a, a kilo of silver or buying uh, a couple grams of gold or an ounce, you know, mm-hmm. obviously the, the allocation principle is going to slightly differ because the amount. So how, we, how about exactly would you start kind of like giving them advice for that? That's a really good question, actually. So the number one rule, the number one piece of advice I can give you, aside from educating yourself, of course, you need the basic education like you've done. Go to YouTube, go to our channel on YouTube, learn how it works. It's super easy. I think you can testify yeah. that investing in precious metals is actually one of the easiest things you're yeah. ever going to do. I have, I, but it just, just to give a quick on advice, that. I, just yeah. quickly on that, it was to say was I, I I've been talking to a lot of people right now about gold and buying stuff. They're like, Nick, what do you buy? I go, honestly, all you have to do is search it up and you just figure out who your the legal brokers are in your in your country and they'll yep. just and and it's actually not that simple you can buy it online they ship it to your door and you're done yeah exactly it's it's yeah. like these days it's like buying something off amazon literally yep. i know it sounds crazy but it's, it's really true so the, the once you've got that basic education which might take a few hours of, of your time is just get started do not panic do not think because a lot of people think this they go i'm not wealthy enough i cannot afford to own gold or silver that's not true you can own you can buy one ounce of silver in canada right now it's going to cost you what Canadian dollars, somewhere around $32 Canadian and US. Well, it's yeah, about 25 exactly. So right now I bought, I just did a bulk bar, uh, buy of just silver a couple of weeks ago. And I was paying around because obviously the premiums, depending on the coins, I was paying mm-hmm. about $37 to $40 a coin on average, okay. depending on the coin I was buying or this and that. And I was buying one ounces to two ounces. And I was buying also like uh, one kilo bars. Yeah. Yeah. I was quoting the spot price, but yeah, yeah you okay. always have to account for the premium as well. So the, the point is, is that, look, you can start with as little as $37 Canadian and get your hands on physical precious metals. And, and really, for most people, that's how it's going to begin. It's going to be 10 silver coins, you know, 50 ounces. You know, it, you just have to get into the mindset of believing in precious metals. And once you have it in your hands, I'm sure you've felt yeah. like you now own this tangible, heavy metal that's like beautiful and pure. And you're like, there's something about this that really feels good. 
And that's because it's it's solidified the moment I I owned it in my hands. Yeah, I, I, it's solidified yeah, like, that. Don't regret it. <laughs> no, there's no regret. Yeah. Honestly, I get it. Yeah, exactly. And and there's a reason for that, Nick. It's because it's been part of our civilization for six thousand years. Yeah, we've been chasing metal for six thousand years. That means literally your brain is hardwired to understand that when you put it in your hand, there's something valuable and tangible here that you're better off having than not having. Like literally, your brain understands that. There's and that's a, why everyone I've ever met. Yeah. You put a kilo gold bar in their hand, a kilo gold bar in their hand, and they look in their face. They're like, wow, this is so impressive. Like, there's nothing about it. It's inanimate. It, it doesn't do anything. I can't call anybody with this, but I feel so good having it in my hand. And it's because you you recognize as a human being what real value looks like. It's never going to disappear. So you, you know what that feels like. Gold, will it doesn't disappear. You take it out of the ground, but it's it's kind of like mathematics. When you go into the ground, you you create a gap in the ground to take out something. Well, it you find it on the opposite side of the equation. If you come into your on the ground after, you'll find actual gold. It, whether it's a thousand years later, it'll still exist. Mm -hmm. So from a preservation perspective, especially when you're looking at wealthier clients, I understand the principle of ensuring sustainability throughout time by tie, by linking yourself to hard, tangible assets that civilization itself, whether it booms and busts that we see throughout time. Well, guess what? You're good. It doesn't matter. I've still found a set. I found a way to hedge myself. Exactly. So we can jump. We'll talk a little bit more about getting into precious metals. But like you said, yeah. number one, educate yourself. Number two, don't talk yourself out of it. You can afford it. You can afford a, you know, a couple of extra bucks every month to put in precious metals. You can find a reputable precious metals dealer in your local community or online who will deliver to your house. You have a few good ones in Canada. There's no problem there. Now, shifting gears for one second. You talked about no matter, you know, whatever happens through civilization, you talk about war, you talk about pandemics, you know, we're experiencing one of those moments yeah. in time where everybody's on edge. It's like, what's going to happen next in the world? This is why central banks own gold. They don't talk about it, but they accumulate gold. Russia, China, the United States has a huge, uh, people say Fort Knox is empty. There's no way Fort Knox, Knox <laughs> is empty. The reason that they do this is because it buys them certainty. And when they negotiate on a world scale and they're, they're laying the cards on the table and it's like, who's going to set the direction now? Who has bigger, you know, a bigger stack of chips to negotiate with? Is it the EU? Is it the United States? Is it Russia? Is it China? Gold has a big, is a big part of that because they know that gold is going to retain its value and it can be swapped if it needs to be swapped into dollars, into different currencies as needed. It can fund wars. It can do a lot of things. Mm. And that's why they accumulate it. These guys are smart. You can criticize central banks all day long, but they recognize risk in markets and they recognize real value in markets. And that's one of the reasons that they own gold. And that's why private investors, it's the same logic. That's why you should own it as well. So you're safe. No matter what happens, you're safe. You're good. You don't have to worry about it. I've been, I've been, I've been dabbling a lot more into like economic history now. So one thing I discovered, like, I don't know if you know a gentleman by E.B. Tucker. He wrote a book recently about gold. Mm -hmm. uh, so basically he was talking about back, his grandfather was telling a story how in the 1930s, I believe in the United States, they basically required citizens to give back the gold to the United States mm -hmm. because they were going, they were going off the, the gold standard. So it was a period of time where it, the government was just showing a point that in order for it to do what it wanted to do with the artificial monetary system, they kind of, I, I don't know, I guess some people could say an artificial monetary system was developed, but it had to do a swap in order to hedge itself before doing that transaction. And then there's a, um, and then I was looking at Japan, just looking at it context, because now that we're in North America, we're near zero interest rate. I was looking at Japan and Japan's history is 1989, the stock market peaked. And then 19, so 1989, it peaked. 1999, interest rates went near zero. 21 years later, in 2020, it's now negative, and it's only been dealing with a ton of negative economic problems. And then you look at North America, massive bubbles in the asset classes, similar to what we saw in Japan in 1989. You have mm -hmm. the Federal Reserve that's stimulating the market, which is somehow propping it up, because without it, the market would come down. It just, it just wouldn't have the liquidity. So I'm just seeing a similar pattern occurring from so long ago and then emulating it to Europe and Japan. And it's like, there's something's wrong here. I just, I'm, 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 I don't feel comfortable as someone who cares about the value of my dollar and mm -hmm. throwing it into these markets now because it's just it bubbles, especially when you see so much disconnect socially, politically, economically. It's like at those times, I feel like that's when you should have the biggest confidence in getting mm -hmm. out.
not indulging mm-hmm. it more because usually throughout history, the biggest busts come from the biggest booms. Every nation mm-hmm. has always fallen. Every civilization has fallen. And it's usually comes at a time where people get too comfortable and then they start to clash. So uh, the economic history has so much given me confidence in my desire to add more value to the philosophy of precious metals. So I'm fully solidified in the idea and the thesis of what precious metals are in my value as a as an economic entity in this world. Good. Yeah, I'm glad to hear it. I mean, it's encouraging to, to for you to recognize that so soon. And I think right now, you know, a lot of people are always looking for like a practical like you've done your research, so you understand and you've purchased it, you felt the yeah. value and all that. But some people are always looking for a practical example of why precious metals make sense. And I like to give them the following example, especially people of our generation, because we were old enough to understand and to witness what happened. If you look at 2008, when the financial crisis occurred, it was a global crisis. But here in, in Canada and in the United States, most investors lost about 30 or 40 percent of their net worth in about a year to a year and a half period, if you were heavily invested in the stock market or in real estate, you saw a major dip in, in the value of your portfolio. And especially damaging to people who have like pension plans, like fixed pension plans and things like that. Gold at, during that period of time from 2008 through 2011 went up in value 140%. 140%. So stock market goes down 30 to 40%. Gold goes up 140%. Silver goes up 350%. During that period of time. So again, that's a very, you can look at it in the graphs, in the yeah. charts. It's all there. This is, this is factual. So if you're looking for a reason, or a historical-based reason to own gold or silver, it's to hedge against these crisis periods, these periods of uncertainty, which is what you were describing. Yeah. We're teetering on the edge of one of those periods. And we saw it happen. COVID was a trigger, something that was meant to happen anyway. Yeah. COVID was like this black swan event that nobody could ever predict. Nobody could, you know predict that this, yeah. we were going to be shut down for a year. But from March of this year through October, we saw a record demand for precious metals. It was insane. The market was absolutely on fire. We would wake up every day. We knew we had a 12-hour day ahead of us. It was going to be nonstop, six weeks delivery for orders. It was crazy. And it, it, just, it just goes to show when we go into these crisis periods, the benefit of gold and silver. And again, these are things that people that aren't sure about it, they're like, are these guys telling the truth? Go look at the charts. The numbers are there. I, I believe that one of the biggest principles associated with the philosophy of precious metals is people's horizon. So a lot of younger people, especially because their horizons haven't established, they haven't understood the, the, the principle of having a long-term horizon. So the appeal of gold doesn't seem to align yet because they're too short-term sighted. But once you start having a longer-term framework and understanding the premise of sustaining wealth, preservation of wealth, then it starts to appeal more and more. So I think that one of the biggest disconnect, especially from the younger generation, is the principle of lack of understanding a time frame and the horizon of the asset class. Mm-hmm. It's 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 not you can't it's not for trading. I mean, you could trade it. I, I trade it casually sometimes on the market with the against the USD. But in terms of real storing of wealth and all that stuff, it's it, the, the, the thesis of it is entirely different. It's not something that uh, it's easy to sell stock, uh, a hype. Uh, you can, it, it, I think it, it, our generation is a little more into the gambling of stuff and the quick stuff. So stock kind of has become that appealing component of it. Right. You know, so, and it's hard. So, nobody, look, nobody talks about gold, you know, either. You, you, you can, you can, you can gamble on gold. There are, there are two ways you can gamble on gold. One, you can buy mining stocks. So yeah. especially junior mining stocks, these are companies that are, their track record is not yet proven. They're trying to raise capital to fund their operations and pull metal out of the ground. It's a very dangerous investment in the sense that if you pick, you're not investing in gold, you're investing in a company. So if that company does not perform and pull enough metal out of the ground, you're not going to make any money. And in most cases, when it comes to the junior mining stocks, like eight out of 10 of them aren't going to make, aren't going to make the returns that they promised. Yeah. They're not going to find the gold that they set out to find. If you happen to hit the two that do, you're going to do very well. Yeah. You could go into the more, you could also go into the more blue chip mining stocks, mining companies that have been around a long time. They have operations all over the world. They're very well established. And those are good companies to add to your portfolio long-term. But again, 
it's you need to understand the disti- the distinction yeah. that you're not actually investing in gold, the commodity. You're investing in a company and a board of directors and their employees and the way that they spend money, the way that they allocate their capital, all those things. So you need to do your research and pick the right companies. So it can you- be challenging, especially for young investors. The second way is the ETFs. If you want to go in and out quickly, look at ETFs, look at RBC's precious metal fund. You can trade it like a stock. But remember, again, you don't own gold. You own a share in a fund. So you don't own the underlying asset. So there is still risk that comes with that. And you will never be able to convert that into the coins and bars that you've purchased recently. So again, there are ways to do it. But physical precious metals is kind of the longer term buy where you own the physical asset and it's your personal property. You remove all risk from the equation. I, I entirely agree with that. The only, the only way I would ever see myself, or I mean, I, that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm personally recommending with terms of my advisory is that if you touch equities, you're looking at gold more for a cash flow purpose in terms of certain, but I only from royalty perspective. So like mm-hmm. Franco Nevada, the royalty, Metalla, the royalty. Mm-hmm. So if I touch equities, it's more for the, the royalty principle of it, because you don't have direct exposure to all the operational expenditure mm-hmm. and and risk, but you get a direct cash flow purely from the ounce pulled out. So from an equity perspective, and then you have the fast liquidity component that you can easily sell your stock as well and dividends increase over time. So, I mean, from an equity perspective, it's, I find that would be the only way I would kind of really, and if I were to do mining, it's a basket of juniors, because like you said, most of them will end up doing terribly. So if you want to offset mm. that, you have to basket the allocation, which then requires more capital or very little bit, a little bit of capital. And then again, there's nothing like the feeling of actually owning gold and silver, because it actually does feel different. It, uh, it solidifies the, it solidifies the feelings. Once you own it, you get, I get it now. We all did it. Me and my group, we all started doing it, my clients. And then it's like, okay, I get it, Nick. I'm on the board with you. Let's do this. Yeah, exactly. The- I bet you if, you, if you showed up with some ounces and put them in your friend's hands, they'd start to, to buy into to what you're, what you're talking about. Theoretically though, nobody would actually say no to gold. Like if I said to you, which is why I get it, it would always stay around. If I said to you, let me pay you in a kilo of gold. Why would anybody say no? Unless they needed the cash, well, hard only, cash. They would only say no if they didn't understand what it was. I mean, there was, I remember there was a guy on YouTube a couple of years ago. He did a series of interviews where he had a 10 ounce silver bar. So it wasn't even one ounce. He had 10 ounces of silver. And I think he had a chocolate bar was the other thing. And he literally stood outside of a gold dealership in like the United States. And he said to people, he said, I will give you either the chocolate bar or the 10 ounces of silver. And, and he said, you can go into that precious metals dealership and ask them if it's real. And they'll tell you the truth. And you could sell it to them if you want. And I think like eight out of 10 people took the chocolate bar. Wow. So the, the, I'm the shocked by that. Message is that. Yeah, I know it's, I know it's crazy, <laughs> but the underlying message there is that a lot of, a lot of normal people, mainstream investors do not understand. They've never been educated. So again, that's why you go to YouTube. That's why you listen to these podcasts and start getting a, get an understanding. And once you've got a few ounces under your belt, you're off to the races after that, you're never going to look back. I don't no. know many people who have become precious metal investors and at one point sold everything and said, I hate this stuff. I'm never going to invest in it again. It's usually the opposite. The problem with gold and silver investors is that they never sell it. So I've seen a lot of guys invest, you know, in silver when it was 10 bucks an ounce, it goes to 49 bucks an ounce. They didn't sell at that point. One thing to remember is yes, it's a, it's a method of preserving your wealth. It's a method of, of, of storing your wealth, but there's also opportunities when you take profit like anything else. So don't think about it as in, I'm going to buy this gold. I'm going to die with it under my mattress. That's not the case. If gold appreciates and hits a new record high, you can sell, you know, 20% of it, 25%, take your profits, reinvest them in cheap stocks. When the stocks go up, sell those, go back into gold. I mean, repeat rinse, you know, it's, it's not that complicated, but what are your favorite, um, what are your favorite like printed, uh, like bars or so like I, I was reading at one point saying things like the Canadian Royal Mint is one of the most reputable ones. Uh, the Swiss amps, Mm -hmm. I believe it was. Also Swiss another Pam, one, yeah, Pam Swiss, yeah, yeah, exactly. Another one really reputable because obviously, like it's like the Canadian Royal Mint has an it's a five nine, so it's nine nine point nine 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 percent. Whereas many other stuff might be nine nine point nine nine percent, so it's, they're technically less pure. Yeah, I mean, don't worry too much about that. Okay. The minimum purity level you want to look for is nine 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 three nines. Anything okay, cool. above three nines, it's it's so minimal, minimal. that it, it's a nominal amount. It doesn't really okay. matter, but. We did a whole series. We did like a top 10 precious metals products video on YouTube. And the number one product that we recommended was the one ounce gold maple leaf by the Royal Canadian Mint. The Royal Canadian Mint has a great reputation worldwide and their products aren't that expensive. So they're a little bit cheaper in terms of premium. 
above the spot price than the US Mint, than PAMP Swiss. So it's really good value and they're accepted worldwide. So we tend to recommend a lot of Royal Canadian Mint product, which is nice. If you're Canadian, you have easy access to the yeah. stuff. If you don't want to buy it directly from the Mint, you know, they, they're not really a retailer. So you have to go to one of their distributors like Kitco, Silver, Gold Bull. You know, we even drop ship from Cayman into Canada as well for some of our investors. So cool. So we'll have to if, get you an account, Nick. <laughs> absolutely. That's the, that's the, <laughs> <We will. laughs> uh, so if you were to tell like, so what is your, okay. So I'm going to mix a bit of like the precious metals, the macro in terms of your own personal, like philosophy, because obviously you've been seeing what things are going on. You're more in the precious metals market. Like wh where's your philosophy at right now in terms of the world, your personal allocations? Mm. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a pretty simple investor. I don't overcomplicate things. I also don't have all day to study the markets. I spend my day trying to run a company and run it responsibly. Um, but my, my portfolio right now consists of stocks, precious metals, Bitcoin, and real estate. Okay. My stocks are, I've got my short-term stocks, which are basically technology stocks right now. I like Zoom. Yeah. I like Logitech. I like Ring Central. These are all companies that I use for my own business. So I know that their products are good. And they happen to be products that a lot of people that are working more and more from home or working remotely, like I'm using a Logitech camera right now. So I invested in Logitech because I know their cameras are great. So, um, so I've got some tech, I've got some biotech, obviously I'm playing the COVID hype. I've got some yeah. of the Pfizer's of the world, the BioNTech, Moderna, hoping that these companies come up with these, these products that are going to solve all of our problems. Yeah. More long-term, I go blue chip. I've got Bank of Nova Scotia. I've got Disney. Uh, Google, Apple, companies that pay nice dividends, and I'll just leave those in there forever. Yeah. Then precious metals, like talking more specifically about precious metals. Yeah. I'm about 60% gold, 35% silver, 5% platinum. That's my, I looked at it before I, our call today. I was like, I just want to see where I am. And that's the mix that I have right now. So not to be forgotten is platinum and palladium. Yeah. Those are industrial metals are used mostly in catalytic converters and cars. And there's a lot of cars being produced right now that are still not electric cars. So China, India, those are countries that are really ramping up the number of vehicles that people can afford. And they're also ramping up, believe it or not, the emission controls, uh, because previously there were none. So now they're starting to have emission controls in place. And so more and more vehicles have uh, these catalytic converters in them. Bitcoin, I've, look, a lot of people are like gold and Bitcoin are, are arch enemies. I believe in both. I think yes. you can own both. You yes, know, you can I'm with virtual. you on that one. Yeah, exactly. You like have virtual my, yeah. store of wealth and then you have a physical store of wealth. So you can't go wrong. If I own both, I'm protected. That's in it. My, my thesis was that your reality is where you play tangibly. That's your foundation for your, your wealth. Then on top of that, you have the virtual reality, which is fun, which is only permitted through the use of commodities because that's how we build technology. And then that's how we, we make electricity kind of funnel around. So without commodities, we can't create the, the, the environment through which we can buy Bitcoin. So Bitcoin by nature is dependent on commodities because of where we built it. So my mind was, well, if Bitcoin, if Bitcoin is a reflection of gold, it's dependent on gold in the sense that it's dependent on the tangible reality. So for me, it was like one I, gold is my number one, then you would have gold, uh, Bitcoin as a secondary because it's one, one plays off of the other. Yeah, I, I think Raul, I was speaking, when I was speaking to Raul Powell, he said it really well. I, I, I will, I'll misquote him, but it was something it's to okay. the effect of when you're investing in Bitcoin, you're investing in the future. Hmm. When you're investing in gold, you're investing in a time-proven commodity and yeah. a time-proven, you know, basically in money. You're investing in something that's that's been proven over six thousand years, like we said. Exactly. It's not going to go away. It's entrenched in our civilization and our culture. Bitcoin is kind of the opposite. It, it is a store of wealth. Yes, people are using it for that, but you're kind of betting on the future, like the base yeah. currency or the USD for for that whole environment. So I like having both. And then my last investment right now is in 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 real estate and. My wife and I chose to invest in real estate outside of the city because we start to see a lot of people leaving cities right now. People are starting to realize that they can work remotely. And so they own pro we own property in rural British Columbia. And people from Calgary and Vancouver are relocating into these smaller towns where they can go skiing on the weekends. They don't have to wait in line to go to Costco and stuff like that. It's a simpler way of life. But the real estate prices are appreciating quite quickly. So, you know, that's, that's kind of my personal uh, hedge against all this uncertainty right now. Makes sense. I mean, you have theoretically thinking about it, let's say I'm going to dodge something a little deeper. Theoretically, let's say 
everything goes down. Nobody can access their virtual wealth. So the only people that have left are their physical hard assets. So if you have a nice little cabin house or something nice out there in the mountains or whatever, where you can ski and you have your gold with you. I mean, you, you, theoretically, <laughs> you're still fine to go. Yeah, you're it's just the, missing it, the, the vegetable garden. And, yes, uh, exactly. And <laughs> but you can always exchange it for the gold. Yeah, exactly. You can always buy your vegetables. <laughs> exactly. At the local market for I sure. wanted yeah. to ask you for, what about, I mean, I, I'm, I've been following more like supply and demand issues in terms of like the commodity market, especially when you're looking at more like the expansion of like renewable and stuff like that. Like, do people talk more and more about copper? Yeah, we, I mean, we get questions about it, but you know, my answer is always the same, Nick, I'll tell you the same. I'm not a, an expert in, in okay. copper. You know, I, I don't follow the base metals market. It's like a whole other sector. So uh, I, I'm, okay. I'm not really in a position to comment. I did read recently some positive things from written by guys that I, I trust. And I read that copper is actually going to be a very good buy in the near future. And it's on my list of investments actually is to get some copper stocks. Yeah. But uh, I, 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 can comment. Okay, no, that's it. I figured it was something cool because it was within that it was within that realm, and I know it's it's harder, but you can't buy copper coins and stuff like that. But if ever you do dabble, there's a guy uh, Giovanni uh, Kiochevich. Mm -hmm. I, I always have a hard time pronouncing his name, but uh, I, I find him brilliant, especially in the space of like electric electrification. And he has a company called Copper Bank Royalty. So the intent is to create a royalty stream through copper, especially with the price expansion. So if ever you do, like, that's a cool guy. I mean, I find him cool. He's one of the few guys that I like to, in terms of that space that I reference. Mm -hmm. um, okay. And uh, like, what are the best type of coins to buy? Or is it like, or is it coins or like, okay, let's start. is it ideal to buy coins or should you just focus more on like kilo bars or uh, one pound bars? Like, yeah, so it, we, we did an episode about, that was actually the first episode we did uh, for our, our series on YouTube called Inside the Vault. And I, I swear to God, people probably laughed at me when I said, I'm going to do an episode about coins versus bars because they're like, that's the simplest question ever. Like, why would you even dedicate any time to it? And that video has over 2 million views. So obviously people are yeah. interested in knowing and it boils down to, there's a few things that you kind of need to know the basics and I'll take a minute to explain is it typically bars of a lower versus a one ounce coin, you're going to pay less money for a one ounce bar than you would for the one ounce coin. So you're going to save a little bit. So automatically that gives a little bit of an advantage to the bars. The other thing is, is the more metal you buy or the format gets larger. So if you go from one ounce to 10 ounce to a kilo bar to a hundred ounce bar to a thousand ounce bar, every time you go up in, in the size, you're going to save again in terms of the premium over the spot price. So if you, they are going to the market and saying, I want to invest in 10 ounces of silver today. Your decision goes, do I buy 10 one ounce bars? Do I buy 10 one ounce coins? Or do I buy one 10 ounce bar? Math would tell you that you're going to get more value for your dollar if you buy the one 10 ounce bar. You're going to pay a little bit less. So you're going to have more money to spend on more metal. You might even be able to buy like an 11th ounce. Think of it that way. So Anyways, it's a good question. And it, it's kind of where you start the whole conversation because yeah. it's one thing to say, I have money to invest in metal, but the next question is like, what products do I buy? What's the best thing to buy? So that's why we did the whole series inside the vault. So people would understand like, okay, this is the basic concept. So when I go buy it, I understand what I'm talking about and I feel comfortable buying it. Cool. I'm, it's, it is, you know, because you look at it, there's so many different places, Australia, Swiss, um, Canada, United States, and there's different type of bars, different type of coins, and then some have different type of premiums. You know, I, I again, obviously the the premiums are not that significant. I mean, a couple of dollars depends on how much capital you're working with. But it's also I feel like there's a huge, there's a little bit of a psychology component in terms of which ones look prettier for certain mm -hmm. people. And you know, like I feel like that because I feel like that kind of pushes the premium up a little, or yeah. in, or well, it yeah, kind the, of creates little cycles. Yeah, the cost to produce a coin at the mint is higher than to produce a bar because they tend to have like these nicer graphics. There's more time spent by an artist to create the, the graphics that are going to be produced on the coins. Um, so again, if, if you're a collector or you care about the look of the products that you're buying, then yeah, you might like the Perth Mint products. They're beautiful. They have like koala bears and, you know, panda bears from the Chinese mint and I mean, but again, if you're looking at it strictly from a point of view as an investor, then those things really shouldn't matter. And you exactly. should be trying to buy the, the lowest premium that has good resale value when it comes time to sell the product. Do you like Valcambi? Yeah, Valcambi is, a, hey, look, it's a great brand. It's 
Valcam, any Swiss brand is very good in the market. They have their little combi bars. Yes, exactly. Because I bought some of the silver ones. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's a good product. Uh, Valcam is a great brand. Just be mindful whenever you're buying these, uh, the the smaller denominations like gram bars, uh, you tend to pay a higher premium. So like what I would say, if you were my client, I would say, Nick, have one or two. But when it comes time to you to allocate Bulk. more serious capital, mm. let's talk about hundred down silver. Yes, yeah. let's get your premium down as much as possible. Of course, bigger, like you said, the bigger bang for your buck. And I get the whole part of like, as a smaller investor, even if you're buying smaller denominations, over the long time, because you're compounding the continue, like you're sustainably compounding the purchase of the metal, even with the mm. price inflation over time, you, it doesn't matter because of that that'll offset the minimal cost that you paid as a premium especially since the gold has a little bit less yeah. premium than silver. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, premium is something to consider as, as part of any investment. You, you are paying dollars to, to get your hands on this, this commodity. So you don't want to be overpaying. But again, like if you look at the, the long-term value that these metals are going to bring to your portfolio and, and possible returns that you're going to see over time, a dollar or two here or there is not, you know, something that you should lose sleep over, quite honestly. So um, who are, but yeah, I mean, again, you don't want to overpay if, if, if 100% because obviously you, the premise is to invest. So you still want to care about the, the, every dollar you're throwing towards the investment. You still have to, you know, like the, you don't want to pay over exaggerated prices when you know the traditional spot price is this, but it's someone else is selling it to you for an entirely different price. Um, who are some really like cool precious metals people that you've met or that people can go look up or reference in terms of educating themselves some more? Sure. Yeah. Uh, precious metals specific. Um, a guy that I like a lot who I've done some work with is a guy by the name of Jeff Clark. Okay. He works with Mike Maloney over at, um, uh, goldsilver.com. Uh, um, yeah. Jeff basically is one of the nicest guys in the industry. He, you know, he's, he'll just break things down in a very simple manner, but he's, he is an analyst. So, He's, he presents like a lot of data, a lot of graphs, trends in the industry. So if you want to learn uh, kind of, I wouldn't say it at a basic level, but at, at not too advanced level, it's not technical, technical analysis. It's more fundamental analysis. Um, go check out Jeff Clark. Um, obviously not specific to precious metals. Ral, if you don't know yeah. Ral Powell, you should. His work at Real Vision is is great. Yeah, it's, I it's agree. It's a pretty affordable subscription fee. Or you can go on YouTube. And yeah, watch exactly. It free, it's free, exactly. Which, which is fantastic. Uh, Mike Maloney does some good work as well with his reporting on gold and silver. Uh, I call him Uncle Mike. It's like uh, listening to your uncle give you advice on what <laughs> you should do. Um, yeah, I mean, those are a few to start with. Uh, Kitco is obviously a good resource as well. If you don't know Kitco.com, yeah. it'll it'll kind of, it's like a spider web of information. You go in there and you can just get lost for days. There's They're like on YouTube so too, uh, Kitco News. Yeah, Kitco News on exactly. YouTube, yeah, of course. And yeah. they focus, they have a lot of conversations about gold and stuff like that. So it's, uh, it's a cool place as well. Uh, and obviously, don't forget about your YouTube channel. Yeah, we, try to, we try to keep people coming back. We're going to do a third season of Inside the Vault. Uh, we're ho- we were hoping to do it in February. It really depends on travel, getting a, a production crew inside the vault to actually do it with us. But uh, yeah, I think if you're a beginner, there's 16 episodes dedicated to explaining how precious metals works all the way from bars and coins, gold versus silver, to traveling with it, to storing it in foreign countries. So there's a lot of, uh, a lot of good information there. And um what uh what's the plan for the like obviously i'm gonna bring it back to the company now because you directed in this like where where are you guys gonna always stick to the cayman islands is there like expansion purposes for this uh but obviously i think that because you deal with high net worth i don't see a need for expansion but i'm just trying to see where you're trying to go with the company yeah i mean uh, a couple of different directions right now one thing to know is that we don't only offer storage in the cayman islands our clients a lot of them are international people canadians obviously a lot of americans but europeans people from latin america really all over the world at this point so we offer storage in eight different countries around the world so you can buy and sell precious metals with us using that one account in eight different vaults including toronto we have delaware and texas in the us we've got zurich and Liechtenstein in europe Singapore, New Zealand. So if you want to really be diversified or you happen to live in one of those other places, um, then you can do that with SWP as well. So it is truly international. Gold is a very international commodity. So yeah. it's it's totally possible to trade it 
in all these different markets using the, the same set of circumstances, the same connections that you have, the same account that you have. We offer you the same liquidity on all those locations. Other things that we're looking at right now is more like uh, developing apps actually for younger people. That's one of the projects that we're working on is an app that's really easy to use, uh, really fast. You know, you can, you can make smaller purchases, no minimum, you know, very low minimum for purchases and things like that. So we're exploring it. We hope to get that online within the next 12 months. Um, and then, yeah, you, you have to look, of course, like any company right now, you have to look at digital assets too. Like, do you want to create a token or be a partner in a program that has a, a token backed by gold? So that's something else that we're exploring right now. And yeah. we've already collaborated on a couple of silverback token projects. Um, but I haven't yet found like the ultimate winner that we're totally satisfied with that we really want to throw our company behind. That's that because I, I follow Peter Schiff too. And Peter Schiff was saying that one of the things that makes sense is that if you created a, an altar coin or a crypto coin that was leveraged off or backed by a precious metal, that would make mm -hmm. entire sense, which is also falls back to the thesis of why if you own gold, you also own Bitcoin and you own them together, you know, because they yeah. kind of correlate in that sense. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that is probably the perfect digital asset is a yeah. digital asset that's 100% backed by a physical asset. I mean, that's, that take, is the winner. Yeah. Or else it's considered a fiat, which is not really backed by anything. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because there was, <laughs> a guy, the there was a guy that was, there was, I was, watching a debate, I was watching a debate between Peter Schiff and some other gentlemen about Bitcoin and gold. And there was an older guy in the, in the crowd that, come up, that came up and asked the question. And he made a statement to the other guy saying that, well, if Bitcoin if Bitcoin is technically on the virtual reality and it's not backed by anything, isn't it in itself also a fiat currency technically, if it's not backed mm -hmm. by anything and the guy was stumped, it's like, you know, yeah. theoretically it's kind of true. It's also a fiat because it isn't backed by anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it is, it, I don't love the comparison between gold and, and, and Bitcoin for that reason. I think, you know, what always makes me laugh and this isn't a knock on Bitcoin because I, like I said earlier, I like Bitcoin. I invest yeah. in Bitcoin. But the fact that whenever they represent themselves as a visual, it's yeah. a gold coin yes. with a Bitcoin symbol on it. Yes, and exactly. Like, and and then they come in and they come in bash gold, and it's like, why are you bashing gold? Yeah, You're literally yeah. representing. I I I make the exact same argument because it's. I was like, but you guys are trying to create a marketing framework that leverages exactly what gold does psychologically. So you kind of leaped on the bandwagon of gold's psychological impact and you've kind yeah. of made it your own, but and nobody seems to realize that. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of funny, but yeah. uh, at this, <laughs> you know what? I think people have to get over the gold versus Bitcoin thing. Yes. It, it's the same thing with stocks. Like 10 yeah. years ago, people would say I'd sit in a room, I do a presentation and they go, well, why would I own gold and not stocks? Mm. And I'd say, well, I'm not telling you don't own stocks. I'm mm. saying own both. That's what you should do. You should have an allocation of both in your portfolio. And it's the same thing is true for Bitcoin and gold. There's no reason that you can't have five or 10% of gold and five and 10% of cryptocurrency or Bitcoin. I mean, you've got room in there. Yeah, I'm um, with you. And it, it can drastically improve, like from a, from a demand perspective, because Ralph Polo had made that, had made that argument or said that it was it, like the average holding of gold is, let's say precious metals is 1%. What happens if down the line, we move to an environment where, well, in order to have a strong balance sheet, individuals realize that they should own five or 10% in precious metals. What happens to yeah. the demand of the market? And clearly the supply is not there either. So there's a huge exponential potential mm -hmm. in terms of the growth of the price alone, purely from the demand side. So I, I, yeah, I understand. I, not I, only I, private investors, but also, yeah, institutional investors, uh, the average allocation for a, an, an institutional fund is about 1.5% of mm. gold. So again, if you find yourself in a crisis period, just like we did, and that's exactly what happened. When we saw what, what, what just happened between March and October, it's not mm. only mom and dad investors. These are also institutional investors. A lot of trusts were set up and went long in gold. Uh, so it doesn't take a lot. It's a very fragile market. And so, yes, when you look at gold, one thing I like to tell people too is like, look at risk and reward. It's like, what's the potential downside of owning gold versus the potential upside of owning gold? Potential downside is probably a couple hundred bucks. Like mm -hmm. it could go in US dollars from 1900 realistically to like 14, 1500 worst case scenario. And what's the potential upside? $3,000 gold, $5,000 gold, eventually $10,000 gold. Depends on who you read, who you believe, how long you're alive. But seriously, 
if you look at it that way, it's like, well, there's almost no risk. So yeah. because it's a hard, that value of it being a hard asset is kind of floors it. It says, well, as a floor, as a minimum, you can't go really down to zero mm-hmm. because, well, you have history on your side, you have boom and bust, you have traditional monetary systems. You it's have, not, it's it, not going to zero. Exactly. It's not going to zero. But an equity market, you could have a complete collapse in one stock or two stocks. And then you have mm-hmm. the fact that because the markets are so heavily short-term driven and overly leveraged in a financial system in this environment with so much uncertainty, you, your downside is huge. Mm-hmm. And that again, yeah. continue adds more value to the value of gold and precious metals because it's an escape. Yeah. It's interesting. I was just reading another book that people might want to pick up. I've been reading it just the last couple of weeks is called a new case for gold by Jim Rickards. And I never read Jim Rickards work before. I knew of Jim Rickards, obviously through the media, but it's actually an excellent book. Uh, and he, he makes an interesting point, which I never really thought of throughout my career. He's like, because people are like, well, gold doesn't pay a dividend. It doesn't pay you interest. And it's because gold has no risk. Yeah. It's like the dollar bill in your wallet. It has no risk that dollar bill. It's going to be worth the same thing tomorrow as it is today, minus inflation. But you're not risking anything by having it in your wallet. When you own an ounce of gold, 10 years from now, you're still going to have one ounce of gold. You're not going to have a dividend. You're not going to have any interest, but it's because you didn't actually take a risk. So there's no reason to pay you a dividend or any interest. When you put money into a stock, when you put money into a bank account, they have to pay you those things because you're literally taking a risk by giving them your money. Mm. You might not get it back. <laughs> so they have to pay you those things it, in it, order to entice you. It falls you in that risk reward. It. Yeah. it falls so anyways, within yeah, that. Record's interesting. It falls within that risk reward uh, analysis you're saying about, you know, like it's, it's like the heart of the house. A lot of arguments for people buying houses. Well, it's, it's something hard. It's mine. It's, it doesn't vanish. Well, gold has the same theory. And the only thing is unlike an asset, which depreciates in value and can also, you need to maintain it and throw more capital towards in order to maintain its price or else it does depreciate. Gold doesn't have that problem because gold will last 500 years with your family. It'll last a thousand years with your family. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's also uh, a very easy asset to pass down from generation yeah. to generation as well. So, so again, like you said, a lot of this is time horizons for young people. It's understanding that, look, you think being in your twenties is like, you've lived life. Trust me, I'm 40. You're just starting. You're literally just starting your adult life and your, your wealth accumulation. And it's all about understanding that, Hey, I'm still going to be here in 15 years. I'm going to be here in 35 years. Start allocating you know, a portion of your portfolio towards wealth preservation that is going to follow you for, for the rest of your days. And you're going to be so thankful that you did it versus I'm not saying stocks can't do that. Stocks can compound and, and have amazing returns for you over your lifetime, but having both in your portfolio is just such a brilliant thing to do, especially as a young person. Unfortunately, a lot of people never figure that out. And it, it's good, Nick, that you have, and that you're, you know, you're sharing some of that knowledge with the world. There's uh, again, with Raul Pohl's channel, there's a guy that was talking about, and he was relating, he was relating his portfolio allocation to, having like a sports team, you know, you want, you want your attackers, you want your midfielders, you want your defenders, your goalie, you know, so hard assets, precious metals, real estate falls within that portfolio and they have value and they have purpose. It's about understanding the parameters of developing a long horizon portfolio and then understanding which asset classes fall within which parameters of that allocation horizon. And also I get it's something because again, it is, it's not something you learn yeah, in school. I love the sports analogies. <laughs> you don't, you don't, you don't get this in school because honestly at school, you never, you never talk about gold. No, it doesn't happen. Mm. Uh, my family never talks about gold. Our f- people don't talk about gold. It's a very quiet thing. And I think especially being in North America where we're so heavily exposed to a massive consumer market, a massively over leveraged market, a disconnect in the economy, socially, politically, it's not, preservation should become the new priority in terms of capital allocation over growth right now. Because there's nothing wrong with mature, maturing your framework for a period of time and saying, I need to preserve what I built now and not try to get greedy and build more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. A little bit of greed is good. Too much greed is not a good thing. It's also Balance. very risky. Balance. So yeah. yeah. I love the sports analogy as a Quebecer. I would, <laughs> I would compare gold to Shea Weber if I had to. It's like Shea Weber is that elderly, you know, 35-year-old defenseman. They call him the mountain man. You know, he's not flashy. He's not P.K. Subban, but God, you're happy to have him in the playoffs. He's just an absolute monster when you need him. And that's kind of what I would compare having some gold in your portfolio to is Shea Weber. I agree. If I had to draw a comparison. 
So Mark, uh, for those that are listening <laughs> on, where can people find you? So people can learn more about you and what you do and the, the, the education component of your, of what you've built. Sure. So yeah, I mean, swpcayman.com is the website of our company. So that's our business website. You can learn there's, it's quite an in-depth website actually. So if you want to get a sense of how buying works of how storage works, you can go there, go to YouTube, uh, YouTube search inside the vault. You're going to find all of our educational videos. So that's another great place to learn about precious metals. And then me personally, if you want to find me, just go to LinkedIn. Like I think you did Nick and uh, you know I'll be up there on LinkedIn and you can get in touch with me um, you know with any questions or anything I'll try to help you as best I can cool well thank you and guys I hope you listen to the episode it's it's something you guys have to start thinking about it's long-term horizons have to start mattering more and more for our generation, especially as a millennial because the when there's so much uncertainty we have no choice but to start shifting our perspective and our understanding of the, the game of the rules. So thank you, Mark. I really appreciate you doing this with us. And uh, honestly, you really helped solidify my, uh, my love, my developed love for precious metals now. Hey, no problem, Nick. It's been a pleasure. And like I said, get in touch with me. We'll get you set up with an account. Uh, you know, we always take care of the people that we talk to, you know, friends and family rates apply. So I'll take good care of you. Happy to be your, uh, your gold dealer for the rest of your days. <laughs>